0: Light, so we might understand even a little bit more the covenant that we have with you. The bond of that covenant, the importance of that covenant, the power of that covenant that we have. That in that covenant, the life of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are all part of that great covenant that we have with you. So we ask you for wisdom and revelation, that you fill us with the knowledge of your will, with that wisdom and spiritual understanding that we might walk in the value of that which you have purchased for us, strengthened with mighty power, with patience and long suffering, with great joy, knowing that by the covenant we've been qualified to partake the inheritance of the saints in light, that through that covenant we've been delivered from the power of darkness and we've been conveyed into the dominion of your dear Son, the kingdom of love. Where there's light, there's life, there's forgiveness of sin, washed away, we might experience redemption to the full. So we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise and thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone who greets it, amen. amen. Once again, good morning church, great to see you this morning. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you, therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place, and your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Just want to remind you, tonight, is it at 6 o'clock or earlier? 6 o'clock. Light up tonight. night. You want to come? It's going to be a great time. Uh, hot chocolate, chili. Um, no hot chocolate, c- cider. cider, hot cider. Sorry. If you come looking for hot chocolate, you won't find it. Um, <laughs> cider and chili and a scavenger hunt for the kids. We're going to sing Christmas carols. This is a great time. We Light up the property for Christmas. and um, Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes just doing that. Uh, you know, we sometimes get caught up in the little things and miss the big things, but uh, we light up. We are the light of the world, so all the Christmas lights just bring a, a joy and an understanding that Jesus Christ was born and the life of all those things. So sometimes, you know, we get we get caught up in different things, but Paul said, whatever, whatever season, whatever new moon, whatever Sabbath, celebrate it unto Jesus Christ, and that's what we're doing. We're not celebrating unto something else. We're celebrating Jesus, that he was born into the earth. We might not have the right day. Who does? But, praise the Lord, we celebrate because we know he was born into the earth of a virgin. He lived as a human being. Identified with all of our temptation. He died on the cross, raised from the dead so we could be redeemed. That's what we celebrate every day. But certain occasions we celebrate those marked places where he was born, and he died. Why? The spirit of Antichrist would say he never did that. So why do we do that? Why do we take a special occasion to celebrate his birth? Because the spirit of Antichrist says he wasn't, he didn't really, Jesus, God didn't really come in the flesh. But we know he did. So we celebrate he was born in the flesh. Why do we celebrate the resurrection? Because they would say he never did that. So the spirit of Antichrist is telling people all kinds of things. We celebrate. We, you know, Everybody wants to get specific about the days and what time of year it is and, and what we're doing as if we're, we're into some other uh, religion. We're celebrating Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you can get on board with that, we'll just have an awesome time together. Amen. And uh, I'm just doing that. I'm trying to pastor you. There's so much stuff, you know, gets out on social media and can confuse people. And so just don't let it confuse you. Just love Jesus. Celebrate Jesus in whatever we do, right? No sense in arguing about it. No sense in getting irritated, upset, picking up stuff, uh, getting upset with other people. Uh, Whatever they do, fine. We're just celebrating Jesus. Amen. He's the light of the world. We enjoy it. We can have joy. We can have peace. All that good stuff. Amen. Amen. And after today, if you think we're not serious about it, then you um, might think differently. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. All right, Hebrews chapter 13, we're talking about divine connection or covenant connection. God's plan uh, concerning the relationships that we have, and so we've been talking about this just a little bit. You know, there's three main relationships, and we're going to talk a little bit after we get done here with the process of covenant, uh, how covenant relationships are set up. Again, there's some general things, there's some specific things that we really want to uh, look at, but here in Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 20, it says, now may the God of peace who brought... Up our Lord Jesus from the dead. Thank God for the resurrection. That great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Somebody say everlasting covenant. Come on, it's an everlasting covenant. Make you complete in every good work. Make you complete in every good work. To do his will. So there's something happening through the everlasting covenant. Supernaturally through the blood of that covenant. That's changed your life. That's completing something in you to do God's will. So sometimes people look at that and say, well, you know, we're, we're not under the law. We don't have to do good works. It says right here, he's working through the blood. So that's not old covenant. Right. He's talking about the everlasting covenant, the blood of Jesus. Working in you to do good works. And in those good works, you complete his will. In other words, you were, comp- you were created to do something. But he said, there's a power that causes you to understand now who you are under the new covenant that will not make you forced to do something you don't want to do, but it will recreate in you a whole new uh, idea of who you are and complete that idea of who you are. So your response, your activity, your conduct will just be different than it used to be. Just different than it used to be. So, you know, I, I was meeting with somebody the other day, talking to them, and they said, man. Since I've been coming to church, the weirdest thing happened. He so said, first of all, I didn't even think, you know, I wanted to come. Didn't know how it would be. Didn't know how people would be looking at me or, or what was going on. But he said, I came. And man, I, I started listening. I started hearing. And it was totally different than I thought it would be. And so I've just been, been involved and, and accepted that. He said, but I just got to tell you. You know, I'm having coffee because you wanted to meet. Uh, I just got to tell you. I just don't want to do stuff the way I used to. I mean, I just, something in me just, I'm like, praise the Lord, I want to get up and run around the room. Hallelujah. We're getting it. It's not, oh, I feel like I have to do this and I have to do that. He said, I just don't want to. Which means something happened on the inside. Instead of thinking, I can change everything out here and be accepted. No, I didn't even know if I'd be accepted. But when I found out Christ accepted me, came into my heart, my whole want to changes. And that's the whole point. The whole nature of things changes when you understand covenant he's doing something to complete and fulfill the very thing he put in you and his will is that you and I don't look like the old sinful man that came from Adam but you and I look like Jesus Christ likeness yeah. that's the end goal everybody's like well, I don't know what the end, the end goal is not heaven the end goal is Christ likeness and so Paul even said that he said you want to you want to chalk up uh, uh, education I could chalk up education with the best of you. I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. I was a doctor of law. Talk about education. Paul, man, he had so many degrees, it would put us to shame. But he said, the moment I had an encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, my education, he didn't say it was meaningless. He said, in comparison to knowing Jesus, my education is just poo. He said, "Dumb." So some people, their education is everything; it's their identity. Apparently, it was for Paul because he just kept getting another degree and another degree and another degree. But all of a sudden, he had an encounter with Jesus, changed him from the inside out. He said, "Man, I have all these degrees and all this knowledge that may help me, but it's nothing. Knowing, you know, knowing the law, knowing, uh, uh, you know, how to execute the law, knowing all that. He said, that's nothing." Compared to knowing him. Because he's the fulfillment of everything I studied all my life. So it's about knowing him. So he said through the everlasting covenant. Every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. And so we've been talking about this covenant that we have through Jesus Christ. Believe that it's very important with where we're going because for many generations or or, or many decades now, we've kind of moved over the salvation message, we've moved through and just said, you know, come to Jesus, just say you believe and you'll go to heaven. And, and there's some import to that. But uh, then we get frivolous with our life. But really what's happening when you make that confession of the Lordship of Jesus is you're saying, be the master of my life. There's a divine exchange that takes place. In fact, in the book of Acts, when the church started, Peter made this declaration. They said, what do we have to do to be saved? He said, you're first going to have to repent. Kind of left repentance out. What does repentance mean? You have to turn away from. It's not asking for forgiveness, it's turning away from your old life, which is a covenant language. You have to give up your old life to receive his new life, right? So we pray that prayer I give up my old life, I repent. And I believe that you died. You shed your blood. It wasn't my blood. It was your blood that you shed for me. You died for my sin. You were buried. You raised from the dead for my justification. I believe that. And I receive that sacrifice. And so I ask you now to give me your life and be the master. Which means I give up my life to possess your life. And since it's your life, I should follow you to know how to live it. Right? And the importance of that. So, there's a covenant. There's covenant language there. So, we go back and we look at just, you know, I've been reading about just ancient covenants and covenants through, uh, you know, African tribes, different things. They're all very important. They have so many similarities. But the one thing that we know is the life of all flesh is in the blood. So, God said, don't be drinking the blood of animals. Right? He said against it. So, their animal sacrifices were poured out on the altar. They were burned up. They were offered as an incense. Because he said, there's something about covenant that you partake of life. So the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats, just covered their sin. Just covered their sin. But now in communion, we have a type of partaking of the very blood of Jesus, the life of him. That's why he said, unless you drink, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they all ran off thought this is heresy, but he was saying, I'm going to do something for you that if you don't participate in it, you have no part for me. I'm going to offer my body and my blood for you. And unless you accept that and partake of that, you can't enter in to a covenant that will give you new life. All right. So we started talking about the covenant, the process of the covenant. First of all, the promise. God promised us new life. We promised to give up our life. Right. And then an animal has to come up, be found. And so they, they would split a calf or a goat into the blood of bulls and goats. They would split them right down the middle. When they split them down the middle in, in, a, in some sacrificial way, all the blood would fall in the middle. They'd arrange them in such a way. And in between, they would come between the pieces. Je, uh, Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19 talks about that they vowed to God and they made a covenant and passed through the pieces. Genesis 15, God Himself passed through the pieces of the animals making a covenant. And so they'd make those, they'd go in a figure eight way. We talked about that, start back to back, go in a figure eight, come face to face. In that way, between those pieces, standing in the blood, ankle deep in the blood of those animals, standing together, making a covenant, because a life had to be given for us to join our lives together. So the Those are all happen in ancient covenants, but in Jesus, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was split right in two on the cross. When we stand at the foot of the cross and acknowledge him as the lamb slain, his blood shed for us. It's as if we're standing right in the way, that way of the blood. Jesus said, I am the way of this covenant to God. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. We're like, well, now why? Why can't you do it through another God? Why can't the Buddhists do it? Why can't they do it? Because it's not covenant. God does it through covenant. There's only one way. The lamb slain. Nobody else shed their blood. Nobody else gave their life. No one else had perfect blood to mingle the perfect blood of man with the blood of God. That's why Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man together, to mingle that blood. And we accept that. And when we stand praying as as if we're standing at the foot of the cross in the blood of Jesus, raising our hands, saying, I accept this covenant with you. Your blood shed. The human blood is my blood. God's blood is his blood. We were joined together through a divine covenant of life. And in that place where they walk through those pieces, they stand in that blood. They come face to face. Once back to back, they do a figure eight, come face to face. So we stand in that place. Jesus came from heaven, went to hell, came back through the cross, ascended into heaven, did a figure eight. We repent of our sin, come through the cross, get resurrected life, come back face to face. In that face to face meeting, uh, just as it was, they always exchanged their robe and their armor. You can look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, where Paul, uh, David and, uh, and Jonathan made that covenant. It said they stood there and, and exchanged. Uh, uh, Jonathan gave him his robe and, and his armor, even down to his belt and his bow. And so we stand there, and in that covenant, God says, I give you my robe of righteousness. That robe is always significant of life. We showed that to you. So if we stand there, we give him Our old sinful life. It's very important that you understand this covenant. When you made that prayer, you gave him your old sinful life. And he gave you his new life. Which means I can't reach back and grab an old life that I never had. And the blood cleansed me of all that old life. I gave it to him. He bore my sinful life. He bore my sinful life in his body on the tree. Right? So the enemy tried to cause you to doubt that and cause you to think, well, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. Even people will leave and say, Pastor Mark's gone off his rocker. We're just sinners saved by grace. Come on, you just got to think of it. If you were saved by grace, what were you saved from? Sin. So grace saved you from sin, so you're no longer a sinner. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. But if the enemy can keep you convinced that you are a sinner, sinner sin. Dogs bark, cats meow, sinners sin. But if I realize that his blood took away my sin, cleansed my sin, I'm no longer a sinner, then I have to think twice about sinning. So sinner sin, righteous people do right. So when he says, listen, if you get this, you understand that whoever knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it's sin." So he said, listen, you know what's right to do when you don't do it. It's sin. It doesn't mean you're a sinner, but recognize it so you can come back and say, I did wrong. Forgive me because it's not my nature. I recognize it. It's written on my heart. So we stand there and he gives us his life. And then we exchange our power, our authority, our weaponry, right? Anger, malice, bitterness that we use to defend ourselves. We give it all to him. And he gives us his armor, the belt of truth, the the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. Some add the lance of prayer. He gives us his armor. So they stand there. We stood right there. A great exchange is going on when you're praying that prayer of salvation. A great uh, covenant action in God's mind is going on by the blood of Jesus. So, so now we exchange that, so then they stand there after exchanging that, and many times in, the, in that covenant they'll they 'll cut the wrist of the representative of the covenant, usually the princes of the tribe, and they 'll they'll, they'll stand there and they 'll raise their arms to God, and we see even in scripture where where the, the psalmist said, God raised his right arm in strength to declare, and the Bible says in Genesis fifteen uh, where he 's making that covenant with with abram, he says god passed through the pieces and he made that covenant and he swore by himself for there was no greater. So God in that covenant acknowledged it and people knew God raised his own right hand and he swore by himself to the covenant that he would fulfill in that everlasting mode that started with Abram to say, I'll bring a lineage and in that lineage, I'll bring the Messiah and in the Messiah, I'll cut a covenant that will be an everlasting covenant of salvation through the blood of my own Son." And so God raised his hand. So they stand and they raise their hand. When we raise our hands to God, we're we're to show that yielding to his covenant. And so they would mingle their blood and they would testify of what they had just done. They would basically say, we declare that everything that I own, everything that I am, and everything that I have is now yours. And the covenant department. uh, The the covenant partner would declare, everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I own is now yours. Now listen, when we go to the book of Acts in the early church, don't want to shake anybody up. We're not starting a new doctrine. Just to let you know, they understood covenant. When it said trouble came, and they all started to sell everything that they had and brought it to help the body. Because they had all things in common. Why were they doing that? They understood that they had a covenant relationship with each other through the blood of Jesus to help one another. We don't see that as much anymore. When many run out and say, we're going to sell everything and bring it here, that's not what I said. But they had an understanding of the fullness of everything that we have. So when a husband and wife stand, that's a divine relationship, and swear, what do they say? They say, basically they're saying, I'm coming to you, I'm leaving my old single life behind, and I'm bringing with me everything that I have and everything that I am, and it's going to belong to you. This, the other one comes and says, everything that I have and everything, I'm bringing it to you. And we're making, we're holding hands, right? They didn't cut themselves and mingle, but there's a process of that saying, this is what we're covenanting to. Everything that we have belongs to each other. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says this to husbands and wives. He says to this degree that you understand covenant, Understand this, that your body is not your own. So, I mean, that makes us nervous in the day that we live in, only because there's, there's abuse and there's misuse of all that. But if we knew covenant, there would never be abuse, there would never be misuse, because what my body's yours, your body's mine. We would treat it as it's supposed to be treated. That's how we can say those things, but we're like, Mm-mm-mm. because we don't understand covenant. But when you do, Ephesians 5 makes sense of how a husband's supposed to treat his wife. Wife submit to her husband because you start to understand this is all mingled together. We're in covenant together, right? And so we make this, this covenant with, with God. We mingle our blood. And in that mingling, they declare what's mine is yours and yours is mine. And they also declare if this covenant is broken, if it's adhered to, here's the blessing. And if it's not adhered to, Here's the cursor. Here's what's going to happen. So here's a, 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 uh, an account of uh, David Stanley made a covenant when he was in Africa searching for uh, uh, Livingston. Uh, I think maybe it was Henry Stanley, David Livingston. Sorry. Uh, anyway, Stanley and Livingston. Um, so he says here, he said, having caused us to sit fronting each other on a straw carpet, he made an incision. This one was in their right legs, not their arms. But he said he made an incision in our right legs from which he extracted blood and interchanging it, the blood. And then he exclaimed aloud, If either of you break this brotherhood now established between you, may the lion devour him, the serpent poison him, bitterness be in his food, his friends desert him, his gun burst in his hand and wound him, and everything that is bad, Do wrong to him until death. The same blood now flowed in the veins of both Stanley and Marombo. I mean, when they did covenant, they took it serious. God takes it serious. When you accept the blood of Jesus, he takes it serious. He said there's a new way of living. There's a new life. Don't go back to the old life because outside of the covering of that covenant, there are things that will take place. Now, again, they cut that covenant. He says this. He uses a lot of names. But the king now, the, 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 the tribal chief, he's making an announcement to the whole tribe that we have cut covenant together. He says, now Tandale, that's uh, Stanley, belongs to Aboko. Now, he has become this day one of the Bengali, the tribe. Oh, Aboko, listen to the voice of Matabuiki. Thought they must have been incredibly deaf that he had to say, listen to them, not to have heard their voice. Bula Matari and Matabuiki uh, are one today. That's how they saw it. They joined as one. We have joined hands. So this is what he declares. Hurt not Bula Matari's people. Steal not from them. Offend them not. Buy food and sell to him at a fair price. Gently, kindly, and in peace. For he is my Brother, my blood brother, my covenant brother, hear you, ye people of Iboko, you by the river, riverside, and you of the interior. And they declared, we hear. And they shouted the whole multitude, and the ceremony ended. So much like that, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the covenant of Moses. He said, if you hear the word of the covenant, He's pronouncing that. You hear the word of the covenant and you do it. All these blessings will come upon you. But if you hear the word of the covenant and you don't do it, all these cursings will come upon you. You can read it. It's part of covenant when you look at it and say, listen, you've now entered into a newness of life. Don't go back to the old life because you've been washed with a new life. And so they would declare that. They would mingle their blood together. Then they would make a mixture of gunpowder or whatever, put it in the wound so it would scar. And even through that, it says that Stanley and even Livingston had made covenant that when they would go anywhere, they would just show that scar. And if they had that particular scar, even with other tribes that they had, they had protection, they had safety. People would buy and sell because of that scar. So God with Abram said circumcision was a scar that they would show that. They knew that they had a covenant with God because they were circumcised. David knew the power of that. He knew the covenant. So when he entered into battle, others weren't paying attention to the covenant they had with God. They were just afraid of the Philistine who was giant yelling at them, telling him he's going to kill them and take over. And David rises up and he goes, listen, I don't know about that guy. I know he doesn't have a covenant. And I have a covenant with God. He thinks he's going to take God's covenant people. No way. I have a covenant with God. Today he's going down. I'll have his head on a plate today. Why? Because I have a covenant with God and he doesn't. If the church wakes up to its covenant with God, the enemy comes to destroy. We stop and say, wait a minute. I have a covenant with God. You want to see? We have a circumcision of the heart. That is truly we've given a heart to him. The word of God has showed up the dividing line. There's something in your heart that has changed. It's not in your mind. It's not in the effort of doing good. You do good because something has showed up in your heart. That you are born again. That you have a covenant with God. That you have a new life in Christ Jesus. And it's clear to you that I no longer live the old life. I live the new life and I live in the blessing and the power and the understanding of the new life. Why? Because not only is there circumcision of the heart, but the word that is powerful, it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it shows up, the dividing line. Some say that it shows up, it makes a line between the soul and the spirit. And so I realize that I've been cut to the heart by the words of life that God has now imprinted on my heart, what he once imprinted on stone that we had to read and it was hard. We look and now by the life of God, it's imprinted on my heart and the power of the Holy Spirit gives me the right and the power passage and the power to live what's in my heart to live how do I do it I don't know I'm trying to do my best see we don't have an understanding because we look at this and even in the new covenant we look over and over and over and we try and we try and we try but he says if you understand covenant the blood was poured out the blood was mingled the blood is life Then when you partake of communion in the body and the blood of Jesus It's not, we say, well, that's not real, but you acknowledge that, and he says, what I've done in the acknowledgement of that is I have caused, I've given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. That the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you is what? Life. The body without the spirit is dead. And he said, the blood and the spirit agree. So that Jesus poured out his life, which means the blood, the spirit was in the blood. So when we receive the sacrifice and we partake and say, I received the blood, he said, the sign of that is the life of the blood. The spirit of the blood of the son of God is going to come into your spirit and change your life. Because the life is in the blood. The spirit is in the blood. When I partake of the blood, the spirit comes to live on the inside of me. And it washes all the sin away. It takes it away. And now I have a brand new life. He said, when you doubt that, he said, that's why I put the spirit of God in you. And the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are now God's. And when that which is written upon our heart, the Holy Spirit says, come on, listen to your heart. Not your head. There's a dividing line. Look at that circumcision that divides between your emotion, your thoughts of the old man and the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus, your new man. So you're no longer thinking carnally the old nature, but you're thinking spiritually. Because there's life. There's life. So they would make that commitment. They would shed that blood. They would declare that. They would change their name. Abram to Abraham. We are Christians. We took on the name of Jesus. We have the power of that name to use anywhere that we go because we made a covenant. His name is our name. We belong to him. We belong to him. He's in us. Us in him. It's all by covenant. We take on a new name. Then many times, you know, the different ones that that let that blood drip on a rock, a memorial that would be there forever. That this is where we have covenant. Others would plant a tree, that that new tree would come up, and it's a sign of the covenant and the life that springs forth of that covenant. But then they would have a covenant meal, a covenant meal. They always had uh, uh, the bread of that meal and wine with that meal, signifying the covenant they, they had, the life of the blood. The bread was really about life. We even talked about this the other day. You know, Marriage ceremonies are so much the, the history of how we used to do them was so much covenant and we've just we haven't understood it so we're like who cares what side you sit on well the side down the middle was this bride side and I might get it wrong so anybody who's technical bride side groom side why is that important because these two people through their covenant will be joining the legacy of two families it's not already mingled it's going to be mingled Through a covenant that they make, their families are actually being joined. The heritage is being joined through covenant. That's what happens in any covenant. They bind themselves. They make a vow. They consummate that covenant. There's a covenant meal that we come together. The bride and the groom do what? They stand together. They link their arms, and they drink champagne. We've changed it, but they drink wine signifying we have a covenant together. And then they cut the cake. We're going to partake of each other's life right our actions our our life in the natural is going to be joined together and so much of that declares legacy As we declare this, that we give our, our life, we give our commitment, we give our vow to one another, and we join our flesh together in one. Now the two of us joined in one, we have offspring, and there's one that comes from the two of us and creates a divine legacy, and God wants that through the new birth, that there's a divine legacy that comes through the church as we covenant with him, and we're one with him, and we declare that. There's other people being born again from that, and there's a legacy that takes place because of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Christ and so as we prepare to take the covenant meal I've gone through this very fast because first service I was just took too long (laughs) the importance of covenant and to study it and we'll stay on it you know a little bit in relationship it's not just a good message to go from it is the message It is the message of the gospel. If you think you're apart from God, if it's just about getting to heaven, you're missing a vital part. It's not about getting to heaven. That will be a destination that we arrive at because we're sons and daughters of God. We'll stand before Jesus if we understand covenant, having already judged our own heart. And The judgment seat of Christ will be an awesome place to stand, having judged our own heart. It says we'll be judged for everything we did in the body, whether good or bad, The Bible says we'll be judged for every idle word that we've spoken. Every hidden thing will be revealed. I mean, whoo, that makes judgment sound like, wah, oh my God, who wants to go there? But in covenant with him, he gives us the right to judge our own heart. Don't you know that? We go through, we're not thinking, we're just thinking about getting to heaven. But if we understood covenant, we judge, that's not my life anymore. Why am I talking like that? That's not who I am. I will judge that conversation is wrong and I will ask you to forgive me. And he says, I'll forgive you because you understand covenant. You understand your new life in me. When you arrive at heaven and stand before him, that will not be judged. Why? Because it's already been judged by you in your own heart. That which you put your hand to that you knew was wrong and you judge your own heart. And you say, why did I do that? That's not who I am anymore. God, forgive me. I have a covenant with you. Why would I do that with this body that doesn't belong to me anymore? I acknowledge that now. Forgive me. He washes you. When you arrive, it's judged. But if you don't know about the covenant that you have and how to judge the actions, the words, the thoughts, because they don't matter to you, I just want to get to heaven. You will arrive at heaven and stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he will judge the words, the thoughts, and the actions of our life. But he said when we understand covenant, we get to judge that ourselves. With the Holy Spirit in us. See, sometimes people say, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And he will. But he didn't say that. He said, you could, by the Holy Spirit, judge your own heart. And in this time of preparing for offering, or for offering, for communion, there's a great place where we get to examine our own heart. Before we get to that place, I want to show you something very quickly. Because so often, and we've spent a lot of time talking about the blood of the covenant. But we're going to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. And the recognition of his body that was given for us is so important. To the understanding that we can access everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Recognizing what it was that kept us from the very presence of God. And kept us from accessing health and healing and deliverance and the freedom that belongs to us through the blood, but we've not accessed it because we have not really understood and eliminated the barrier that was between us and Him. So, Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Starting in the first verse, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. Now he's talking about the old, which means he's about to refer to just the opposite of what the old could not accomplish, the new would accomplish. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Now listen, this is where we run into a big issue. We read that. We keep saying it's impossible to take away sin. If it's the blood of bulls and goats and your own actions, it cannot take away sin. But the blood of Jesus takes away sin. just say that with me takes away sin say takes away my sin come on it's so important to understand that the blood of Jesus takes away your sin it takes away your sin we have been bam 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 don't ever think that you'll be without sin don't ever think I mean that was Jesus but don't ever think but the Bible tells us the whole point of his blood not the blood of bulls and goats the whole point of his blood is what that blood of bulls and goats was powerless to take away the blood of Jesus has the power to remove once and for all. If you have no sin, if you have no past, you have no guilt, knowing what you know now, what decision you might you make? If you didn't have lingering in your mind, oh, but this is how we do things. I know I shouldn't, But this is what I do. But if you just said, I know I shouldn't, and I have no reminder of what I've ever done before, what should I do? Oh, I think I'll do what's right. Because you have no sin. Just as Jesus died and will never die again, he said we should take the same note, that as we have died to sin, We should never let sin once again reign in our mortal bodies. He said, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been, by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all we were sanctified that means separated made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all and every priest stands ministering daily offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin they under the old could never take away sin but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Took away our sin. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart. And in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering of sin. In other words, if he took away the sin, he doesn't have to come back to make another sacrifice. And he's not coming back to make another sacrifice. Therefore, brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. The veil that is his flesh. See, the flesh of mankind, the sin in the flesh, was a barrier between us and God. And so in the tabernacle, there was a veil that no one could go behind because that's where the presence of God was. God's desire always was to have fellowship with man, but there was a barrier. It was called the veil. It was a type of sinful man, and nobody could go behind there except for the high priest, and only with blood sprinkled everywhere, just right everywhere, to come into the presence of God with those sacrifices to cover the sin of man, but it could never fully cover the sin of man, but Jesus bringing his body, and on the tree bearing our sin in his own body on that tree, his body being broken and opened up, When the work was completed, and he said, it is finished, the type in the shadow of that veil was rent from top to bottom. And he said, through my body, which was broken for you, I have conquered sin in the flesh. Romans 8 says, what the law could not do through sinful flesh, through sin in the flesh, God did by sending his own son in flesh to conquer sin in the flesh. His body, he lived out a human life without sin and died without sin. The only sin he had was our sin on him to conquer sin in his flesh. To do what? Rent the veil that kept man out. That through his body, broken for us, we access the very presence of God. The blood gives us the promise and the life of God and the Spirit, a new life, no longer a sin nature, but a righteousness nature through the covenant and the blood that flows through our veins and the life of the Holy Spirit. But even with that, we would be outside if we didn't recognize that he bore our sin and he was split in two and he gave us access to the Father. And in that access to the Father, we access everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. So when we partake of the bread, we're saying, I'm partaking of that very body of life that gives me access to the Father. That in that access to the Father, my physical flesh no longer is weakened by sin and its results, but my body is mingled with the life of his body in strength and in action to do his will. And so I submit my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I give my members of my body over to him as instruments of righteousness to God. Accessing all that I need from him. And if you can begin to see the action of that covenant and Paul continued to write these things to us over and over. And we're like, now how do I do that? What a struggle to have to live this Christian life. Man, how am I ever going to love these people, forgive these people? How do I give my body a living sacrifice? I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm trying. But when you realize, nope, I've come in and I've stood. And I've partaken of the body and the blood. I've partaken of the access that I need for strength, for life, for wisdom, for revelation, for healing, for deliverance. I've partaken of a covenant that everything that God has belongs to me and everything that I had belongs to him. We are one together. It's sealed by his blood and his spirit in me is the guarantee that I am no longer the person that I used to be under sin. But I'm a brand new creation, alive unto God through his spirit. And as we partake of communion, we are acknowledging that covenant and the grace that goes with that covenant see grace we get it backwards sometimes we like to go grace is just divine favor unmerited favor with god which is part of grace but you know if we started at the other end of the definitions we'd probably be better i got saved by grace i got saved by a divine influence so I was listening to a message, the Holy Spirit began to influence my heart. And through that divine influence, I received Jesus Christ, and it started to reflect in my life, a divine influence upon the heart that reflects in the life. That's one definition of grace. The next definition is empowerment from God. So once I received that divine influence, it started to show up. My want to was different. I had an empowerment to live differently by the grace of God. And because of that divine influence and change in life that reflects in my life and the empowerment of God, wherever I go, the favor of God rests upon me to do what He empowered me and directed me to do through grace. How powerful. How powerful. First Corinthians chapter 11. they're going to sing, we're going to examine our hearts. Paul speaking here of their gathering together and how they conducted communion. They didn't really understand that covenant. You know, there in Hebrews chapter 10, we're reading right after that. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but even more so gather together as you see the end approaching. Exhort one another to love and good works. He goes on to give terms of the covenant. He says, if we sin willfully after we have a knowledge of the truth, there, doesn't, there remains no other sacrifice for sin. If under the law of Moses, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, somebody was put to death, how much greater judgment do you think would come to somebody who tread underfoot the Son of God, who counted the blood of the covenant a common thing, and who frustrated the Spirit of grace? talking about the covenant that we have with Jesus if we accept that covenant and then we say I can't live I can only do what I can do myself he said you've missed it but we come together as a covenant body of Christ he said I've given my body for you to be part of my body it's part of communion with him it's fellowship with the body He says that fellowship, that covenant relationship with the body encourages you, strengthens you. So that when you confront sin, you've been exhorted to do good works, to overcome sin together. We bind together. It's part of covenant. So that we encourage one another that this is serious business. Not oppressive business. It's freedom. The devil will try to make you go away and go, oh my God, this is going to be so hard. Exactly the opposite. I'm trying to convey exactly the opposite. Don't walk out here and go, oh my God, now. No, it's serious business to stand up and say, listen, I don't want to go away from God, and I'm empowered. I'm not even the person I used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ. His life, his nature, his ability, his wisdom, his knowledge, it is mine. It's not something I'm going to get. I got it in covenant. That's who I am. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm him. So I don't say the things I used to say. I don't think the things I used to say. I don't do the things I used to do. Oh, that's going to be so hard. Not if you're not that person. You understand it. You totally understand it. I'm sorry. I just got to say this for somebody. You totally understand it because you always look at people and say, how could they do that? I would never do that. You recognize, what are they doing? They don't have to do that. I wouldn't do that. Because you realize who you are, and you wouldn't do certain things. But then you come to God and say, wait a minute, I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. If you realize, oh, I'm a new creation in Christ, you would look at your old man and say, why did you ever do that? I would never do that. Remember, I'm telling you, you're talking to yourself, not to the person next to you. That's judging yourself. I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't do that anymore. I'm not trying to not do that. Why would I do that? That's not who I am. So when we take a moment, I just want us to think about that. So Paul said this, for I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, Take, eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, broken for you that you might have access to the Father. He said, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup. This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Therefore, So he says, do you have an understanding of this covenant? What you're partaking of in this covenant. It's not a religious activity. But you are remembering that you stood somewhere. And acknowledged the covenant of the blood of Jesus. That he bore your sin in his body. He poured out his blood for your life. And you accepted that. And you remember that every time you take communion. I'm reminding myself, this is who I am. This is the covenant that I have. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord or corrected by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with this world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And then he goes on to say some things that allow us to know that uh, we are all together in this. Praise the Lord. So let's just take this moment before they sing. Bow our heads. Based on what we have said, we'll all pray this together. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. What he did for you is awesome. Changes your whole life. Takes away sin. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Died and new things have emerged. We'll say this all together. At amen, I'll step down. They'll sing a song. You have your communion elements. During the song, I want you to just examine your own heart. It's the time to just say, here it is, God. Here's my whole life. I give it all to you, and when I walk out of here, I want to have a greater experience and revelation of the newness of life that I now live by faith in God. Say this with me. Father God, I come to you this morning with the knowledge of this covenant. I give you my old life that which was dominated by sin. And I believe in my heart that you gave up your life, that you died for my sin, that God raised you from the dead for my forgiveness, that I might live a newness of life. So I give you my old life. I accept your sacrifice for me. I accept your forgiveness of sin and repent of my old life. right now, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me and giving me a covenant with God through your precious blood. In Jesus' name, Amen. Apostle Paul said, I deliver you that which was delivered to me. That on the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. he said, this is my body that was broken for you. A body broken. That which was the veil. Broken. To do away with sin. To give us access to the very presence. Power of God. Let's partake of the bread. Said after supper, he took the cup. Said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Said, As often as you drink it, you show forth my death till I come again. A new covenant causes our life to become his life. Everything we have belongs to him. Everything he has belongs to us. Through a covenant of his blood. Let us partake of the cup. Father, we're so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you for wisdom and revelation for each one of us. As we go through the days and the weeks and the months to come, to bring a greater revelation of the union that we have with you, the life that we now live, by faith in this divine covenant relationship, that truly you order our steps, you direct our paths, that your hand of blessing is upon us, that you are our shield, our buckler, our rock, our fortress. Because of this covenant, you are with us wherever we go. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So we don't have to fear what man can do. Bring us to a place where it's not simply in our head, but it's in our heart. The declaration of it comes out of our mouth, and the reality of the conduct of it pervades our life and causes us to become a light to those around us who don't know you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us, being the guarantee of this great divine supernatural covenant that we have with the Father and with the Son. We Thank you for it, Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you for healing bodies by your mighty power, driving out sickness and disease, pain. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up with me? Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus... Far exceeds exceeds. any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.